0: Welcome to the Redeemer Lincoln Square podcast. Our church began in 2017 and is located just down the street from Lincoln Center in the Lincoln Square neighborhood of Manhattan. Our podcast will primarily feature sermons from our Sunday worship service and the occasional interview or ministry resource. We hope you'll subscribe. Now, here's today's message. Today's
1: scripture reading is this, Matthew uh, 21, verses 1 through 14. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road uh welcome to redeemer lincoln square sorry for our technical difficulties we're we're all new at this and yet today is still palm sunday it doesn't stop when the church celebrates this is a time when the church celebrates the, the kingship of jesus and, and believe me we need to hear this text today we need to know who's in charge and who holds all things in his hands. who is going to care and mend this world? because right now things are not good and in new york city it's getting worse we need the return of the king people are dying and and people are sick and i think we're feeling that more now in our community in our communities than we have in recent past um and therefore i think it's actually been fairly humbling it's been humbling to reflect on the hurt i prayed more than in, in now and then, maybe years put together, um which is humbling. Because do I only come to Jesus in my calamity, like when there's when there's sickness and death around? Do I only come to Him when my life is affected? The fact that people are dying and sick, but they've been dying and sick way before this pandemic. That it's only now that I know it. Notice, it's it's I've I've had to repent of my hard heartedness and of my lack of urgency that people have been dying and sick all along. We, death is all around. And so today, there is nothing more important than trying to figure out who is in charge and what authority will we place ourselves under at the end of the day. Nothing is more important than that. And I think this passage shows us. It shows us that Jesus wants us to see that he's a king, but he is ruling his kingdom and he's coming to his kingdom in a different way than any other kingdoms are out there. The way that Jesus comes into Jerusalem right here that we're what we're going to look at completely changes our expectations of what he's actually here to do. On his way into the city, we see uh three things about his nature. We see that he commands authority, he destroys our categories, and he heals the world. So we're going to look at those three things today. That he commands authority, destroys our categories, and heals the world. Now, first, he commands authority. Leading up to this passage, Jesus had been in the countryside. He had been uh, exhibiting miracles, power. He healed people, fed 5,000. And so, the rumors had trickled into Jerusalem. Maybe this was the person we were looking for. Under Roman rule, they had been very heavy-handed. People were suffering, and they wanted change. And Jesus seemed like he might be that person. And so when he comes in, maybe this guy will save us, they say. Look at verse 9. The word Hosanna literally means to save. They're waving palm trees saying, save us. And so the people were looking around for this new power. And Jesus gives them an example of that. What does he do? In verse 12, he shows up to the temple courts and drives out the money changers. And what does he say when he does that? He says, this is my house. Now, I know a lot of us are uh, in quarantine right now, and so it would be very strange for anybody to come into your house and start rearranging the furniture. But frankly, the only person who is allowed to or has the right to do that is you. You are the authority in your own home. What Jesus is saying here by calling it his house, he's saying, I am that authority. So this is a power. Like most powers out there where he's saying, listen, you have, you have to either accept me or defy me, but you can't ignore me. Right? If somebody came into my home, started throwing furniture around, there's no ignoring that individual. You have to either accept him or deny him. In this context, Jesus enters the very center of religion and commerce, uh, and he throws things around. Right? You, you have to either confront or you're going to have to yield that power. To uh, get into the most important institution of the time and literally call it his home, he was leaving people no option. He was saying, Accept me or defy me. I think that's pretty important for us today because I think a lot of us, we like the idea of Jesus. We want to accept part of Jesus, the nice parts, the easy parts, the blessed is the meek parts. But I don't want the throwing things around Jesus. I don't want the one who's going to do things that is uh going to be upsetting Thomas Jefferson 6 years before he died in 1820 uh he cut out part of his bible uh and actually a lot of the parts of of Jesus' life because he said quote these are contrary to reason and i think maybe you might not literally do that but i think whether you're a christian or not a christian this morning we do pick and choose the parts of Jesus that we want. Now, if Jesus wasn't real, then sure, you can build your own Jesus and use him any way you want. But if Jesus is real and and, and, and a power, then you can't do that. I heard one commentary say, crown him or kill him. But you, you can't merely like Jesus. You have to either worship him or not worship him, but you can't just be merely inspired by him. It's either all or none of it. Um we need a powerful king in in today. We need somebody to come and fix but that's not somebody you invite into just part of your life. It's either all of your life or none of it. And as I turn this lens this this scripture on my own heart, I think it's been pretty clear that for a lot of my life I think I've invited Jesus into part of my life but not all of it. See, I trusted Jesus I thought but then coronavirus, the past couple of weeks, the uncertainties, the doubts, the shut, being shut in, the wondering about the economy, people sick and dying, being tired. I mean, I don't think I actually fully trusted him. Jesus was Lord of my prayer time, but he wasn't necessarily Lord of my life. He wasn't Lord of my comfort or my joy. He wasn't Lord of my certainty and my security. Because if he had been, I wouldn't have been thrown for such a loss. So I think what this means then is Jesus was Lord in theory, but not in practice. And I think what he's been asking me through these circumstances is, am I Lord of only part of your life or am I Lord of all of your life? And I think he might be asking you the same question too. Does he reign? Does he have authority in your life? And if not, if he doesn't, then something else does. And you need to ask yourself, how's that going? I suspect right now, not great. So let him be the authority of your life. That's the first thing we see here.
0: At Redeemer Lincoln Square, we value questions and the people who ask them, which is why we hold a time of question and response or Q&R. After our Sunday worship service, it's an opportunity for anyone to text in questions and then process responses alongside our pastor and other members of our church community. If you have questions about today's message, send an email to lsq at redeemer.com or join us for our Sunday worship service. Now here's the remainder of today's teaching.
1: The second thing that we see here is he destroys all of our categories. You say, where, where do you see that? Well, and Jesus knew these people wanted a warrior king. He knew that they had heard about the healing powers and the abilities and feeding 5,000. So, did he come riding in on a steed of great renown? No. Did he come with sort of the strength originally when he turns over the, the temple court with the money changers? Did he, did, did, did he emulate that? No. What he said in verse two. said to his disciples, go get that donkey over there. And you can almost imagine the people, this person, this savior, Hosanna, save us. They're looking as he's coming down the road. They're cleaning their necks. Kids are probably jumping up and down to get a sight of this warrior king. And they see this man riding on the ridiculousness of a donkey. Now, talk to my family uh, enough, and you'll eventually find out that I, I hate clowns. I, I, okay. I strongly dislike clowns. Um, some psychologists, if you're a psychologist, you're probably like, well, what happened in his, in his background? What happened in his, um, childhood? And the answer is I got scarred. That's what happened. I had to dress up as one as a kid and I've never liked clowns. But the thing about clowndom, the thing about clowns is clowns are are human exaggerations. They're not just happy. Their, their faces are painted happy. Uh, they don't just wear shoes. They they wear ridiculously large shoes. Because the point of a clown is to overstress human attributes to be absurd. And Jesus is doing just that. He's saying, yes, I'm the Messiah that, that's going to come to save the world on a donkey. Uh, up in the hundreds on um, Broadway, I don't think it's there anymore, but for a long time, there was this sort of... Um, contraption where you can put a quarter in and it's like a, it's sort of like a clown car. It would move back and forth. Kids would all, my kids would always say, Oh, put the quarter and I want to ride it. It was like a clown car, but it's it's really just a a lame ride. Jesus riding one of those would be the equivalent of what's going on here. Probably the great annoyance of all, because that's what clowns do. They annoy folks and um, probably annoy Jesus the most. Uh, sorry not, and, and annoyed the disciples the most because what they wanted the most the disciples they wanted jesus to be taken seriously and by riding in on a donkey they ensured that was not going to happen and why would he do that yes it's to fulfill the, the prophecy zechariah 9 9 that's listed here in in your bulletin yes it was to the fuse these sort of uh two different messiahs in isaiah there was the Conquering warrior Messiah who would overturn money changers. But then there was also the suffering service, this servant, this um, bruised reed who comes in on ridiculously small animals. And why is he doing that? He's doing it because he's trying to say there's something about my nature, about my power that you didn't expect, that I'm the judge of all creation, but one who comes in weakness, not in strength. And that's supposed to blow up our categories. No offense, we can't move on any further because you need to realize we don't have a category for this type of individual, right? When you say you're the judge of creation, but I I, I come in weakness, you can't do that. You either have power or you don't have power. You can't be both strong and weak. How's that possible? Let me try to explain. The way we think of power, the way the, the world works, power is linear. It's top the bottom up and down there's people up here who have the power and control and there's people down here who do not have the power and the control and the people up here exert that power and all the books on leadership will tell you that power is just being able to exert your influence on somebody else whether they like it or not so it's like my way or the highway what you know i say it you do it it's how power works linearly but look at jesus Jesus, what he does here with a donkey, what he does here in the rest of his life, he in his preaching, his teaching, even going to the cross, he's giving up his power. This is not a linear version, this is non-linear, this is v-shaped in the sense that he goes down, he loses control, but by doing so somehow power comes to him and it doesn't make sense at first, but then interestingly, ironically, this is actually how a lot of things in life Uh, actually do operate. Isn't it true that to be truly rich, you give away? Isn't it true that to, to, to be really happy is you first start seeking somebody else's happiness first? That when we give up the claims to our power, that's where power is. Now, worldly power is you serve me, but Jesus, his gospel power is let me serve you. And what he's trying to say is, I'm a king, but I'm a king that's come to serve. What if, what if this week we could get down on our knees and say, Lord, I actually ultimately have nothing without you. Everything is is uncertain. I I, I my identity. I used to have my identity based on what I felt, but now my feelings are all over the place. I used to get my identity what I could get, and now I can't get anything. Help! I don't know how to get done what needs to get done. I don't even know what's needed. Jesus, you instantly know more than what I, uh, than, of what I need. And if you gladly surrendered to him, surrendered your future, surrendered your control, sur- surrendered needing to know what, how it was all going to work out. If you did that, when you did that, and then you see that he gave him his life for you. When that happens in that moment, you can have real freedom and rest because then it all comes back. The way that you get power is you finally release it to him. Why? I think it's because the reason and the way the life, life works at the center of all the cosmos, the power above all power gives up his power. He rode a donkey when he could have come in with a billion angels and said, he comes in with nothing, gives his life for you and me. That is why now we can give our life for thee. You see, if Jesus had been one more leader, he probably could have freed them from Roman rule. Play that out. What would they have done with their freedom? Probably what we've done with our freedom. We are the most free civilization ever. And what, what have we done with our freedom? We've thrown ourselves into our need for success. We've thrown ourselves into approval and material things and locked in our homes What's being laid bare right now is the fact that these things can't and they won't save us. They can't give us contentment. They can't give us purpose and meaning and identity. And Jesus knew that. That is why he had to go down deeper than any other leader before. He couldn't just go after what's messing you up on the surface. He had to go after the slavery of sin and death itself. He had to go down first into the cross, not to the throne. And when he gives up his power, he can defeat evil itself, even the evil in you, because it melts our heart when we see what he did. Can you stay angry at him when you see his utter and complete commitment to, to you? Can you really fight against the one who gave everything up for you? This is why he doesn't fit our categories. The world places strength and power at top, and meekness and care at the bottom, which is why, by the way, I think ambitious people succeed in our world because they take and they get and they go and Jesus reverses the order. What does he do? He he gives up. Uh, and by doing that, he cares and leads not by taking, but by giving. And he goes down to come up. And so your king is here, but the way he's here is in a way that you never imagined before. Not in the way the, the world could have imagined ever. And so last point, So far, all we've done is shown you the the paradoxical nature of Jesus, that he is authoritative with the money changers, but he's ridiculous with the donkey. He's strong and yet he's weak. At the end of the day, though, with any king, with any authority, the question is will you follow him? Will you follow him? What if you knew that the king of creation, the author of the cosmos, uh, ultimate power and fury out there comes? gently. That is uh, what we see here. If you look at the, go back to your text, it's in the present tense. That He's on his way, but he's not just on his way in any way. It's gently. The writer says in verse five, I'll look it up right here on my, my bulletin. He says, see, your king comes to you. The beauty of Jesus isn't just that he's the ultimate power. It isn't just that he gives up this power. It's that he does it gently. Why should you follow Jesus? Because Jesus didn't come to just to bring judgment, but to bear judgment. That's what Ed Clowney says. Ed Clowney says, Jesus, as a gentle king, powerful and compassionate, that is going to be somebody that you're going to want to follow. And if you let him come into your life, it'll make you gentle too. How? One thing that's buried in our text I didn't see it right right away. It's that Jesus isn't just riding any donkey; he's riding the full of a donkey. That uh, I had to see this in the commentaries. That that means this donkey was untamed, untrained, young, wild. That you couldn't just sit on this donkey and expect to um, let him do so. Donkeys already were pretty temperamental, and then take a young, untrained, you know, untamed animal bring them into the center of the city with crowds you know screaming and waving branches everywhere and what ends up happening is you would have been thrown off this animal would not have stayed still and yet he does under the gentle hands of a true king this animal is able to stay, to stay calm only the king of creation could do that this is what i think is trying to be said to us That this is a foretaste of what he's actually bringing. Go to Isaiah 11, and you see there the the new heaven and the new earth. When Jesus comes again, the the wolf will live with the lamb, and the leper will lie with the goat. And so Jesus is saying with just this, this simple act, he's saying this is just the beginning. That I will not have plagues in my kingdom. I will not have viruses and death and disease. He's bringing harmony and shalom. That's what the triumphal entry is trying to tell us that the coming King is bringing healing and will lead you. And the question is, is will you be led by him? He's not looking to get power. He's looking to give power. And if you make him the center of your life, you won't move out to get power. You're going to move out to give power. And that's going to make us gentle to this world. By the way, you don't have to fully even understand this power. These people didn't understand who Jesus was. They were waving palm branches. Saying, save us, but they didn't even know what they were saying. Well, they did not even know what they really needed to be saved from. In fact, waving uh, these tree leaves is sort of ironic to Jesus because they didn't know before Him was the Lord of creation. Go to Psalm 96, and it says there in the new heavens and new earth, on that day the trees of the wood will sing for joy before the Lord. The trees are going to sing. And that means whatever beauty they have now—trees, mountains, clouds, whatever you see right now, as beautiful as they are—they are just a flash in the pan to what they will be. I mean, it's what they will be is nothing compared to what they are right now. And if that's true, guess what? That means you and me—we are nothing compared to what we will be. That's what Palm Sunday is telling us. It's a promise. It's a promise that the coming king brings healing in his wings. And as he does so, he's going to fix what's broken. And we need that more now than ever. You need to know that it won't always be this way. And if you don't have that assured in your life right now, if you can't rest in that future healing that's coming, I don't know what your hope is in. Because the commanding king who's going to overthrow the evil of the world is going to do it gently through his service. And that brings in an assured future of redemption, restoration. If that's real, and you know that's going to happen, then you can rest in that space today. If you let him be your king, not just king over part of your life, not just an advisor for some of your life, but Lord of all creation, even inside your own life. Will you let him do that? A few days ago, I said, I want to end a few days ago, uh, it was 7 p.m. It was a couple of weeks ago, I guess now. It was 7 p.m. And my kids started hearing outside the windows. They started hearing in our apartment, uh, people cheering, people banging on pots, people screaming and clapping and yelling. And so they opened up the window. And one of them said, they said, is, is the coronavirus over? And I said, no, 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 honey. We're we're, we're celebrating our, our health care workers and people on the front lines and how they're really putting themselves out there and loving us and caring for us. And I, I didn't think about it at the time, but actually her response wasn't crazy that when this is all over, that's, that is exactly what we're going to do. We're going to lean out our windows and scream and yell and thankfulness. And yet that's even just a foretaste when the final King comes and puts all things right and makes all things new. That's the hope that we have. That's what the rainbow is saying. That is what, the sunset is saying, and we've been seeing some great sunsets in New York. I, that, 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 that's what's happening here. That's what creation is saying, that it won't always be this dark. Jesus will make the trees, the trees, and the world sing. And how about you? Will you sing? Will you accept this gentle king? A quick word of application if Jesus is actually your Lord and we get power like him by giving up power. And that's how his goodness spreads. Um, although we're in a time of isolation now, there is no better time than to ask yourself, what might Jesus be teaching me through this? We should be all asking, if, if he gave everything up for me, what can I give up for him to love and serve this world? Maybe basically start with giving up the need to know how our lives are going to go. Let's start with giving up our own comfort in our needs to, to, to have, or to know what's going to happen. Maybe give up what being productive or thinking that you're productive. See, if his power is made perfect in weakness, that means that we have to rely on him. Will we rely on him? If as a Christian, if you're a Christian and you follow this gentle King, you have to ask yourself where might his gentleness not be. Uh, I'm not letting them letting that out. It could be with your kids today. It could be with your, um, your neighbors, or your friends. See, start with, I couldn't save myself, but I was saved by him. And if he's king and and he's brought me in, then how can I bring others into this kingdom as well? If you're not a Christian here today, I appreciate you um, tuning in. But you need to look over all the other kings in your life and see how they rule harshly and see how this king is different. That he would rather end himself than end you ultimately. Bow to him, give your freedom to him, and you'll receive a love and a care that you never experienced before. Friends, it won't always be this way. Palm Sunday tells us that, and we're assured of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we're tired. I'm tired. This this pandemic is difficult because everybody's experiencing it on different levels. Um, some are merely inconvenienced. Some are, are ripped apart. We confess we can't care for people the way that people need. We can't pull it all up. We can't pull it all together. We can't make this um, better. We need you and your power to come in, but I pray that we will accept all of it. And that means the power <laughs> That confronts the parts of our lives that we've been trying to use to build our own identity apart from you. The powers that are, that are selfish. The powers in us that are prideful. Help us to let you be Lord over all creation, including the creation of our life. And if we do, you're offering, Father, healing, restoration, renewal. It starts with a donkey, but it ends, Father, in all of creation fixed. Turn our hearts to you. Help us taste and experience that coming joy now. Let us sit in that space now. We need that, Father. We praise things in your name. Amen.
0: Thanks for tuning into our church's podcast. We pray that it can serve as a resource for you as you continue processing aspects of Christianity and growing in your faith. We hope you'll subscribe to our podcast, and we invite you to join us for worship on Sunday. We're located at the corner of West 64th Street and Central Park West. More details can be found on our website, lincolnsquare.redeemer.com. Thanks again for listening to the LSQ Podcast.